and thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to our latest National Governors Association School Leadership Hot Topics podcast. I'm Seth Gerson, Program Director for K-12 Education at NGA, and today I'm excited to be joined by Courtney Rowland of the American Institutes of Research on State Strategies for Developing and Supporting Principals and School Leaders. Today, Courtney will share state strategies for principal professional development and specific models and examples of principal professional learning programs from across the country. Please note that we recently recorded and released eight other webinars and podcasts on school leadership, including with the Education Commission of the States, New Leaders, the Learning Policy Institute, nationally recognized school leadership experts, Dr. Paul Manna, Dr. Steve Tozer, and Dr. Jackie Wilson, and Governor's Education Policy Advisors and Education State Chiefs from Delaware, Louisiana, and Tennessee. You can find these webinars and podcasts at the NGA Education webpage on the NGA website. We plan to release one more school leadership podcast over the next month. Please look out for our next podcast with Jason Dougal of the National Center of Education and the Economy and National Institute for School Leadership to be released in the coming weeks. These podcasts are supported by and in partnership with the Wallace Foundation. The Wallace Foundation works to support principal and school leader preparation, development, and support across the country. Their Wallace Knowledge Center has multiple resources, tools, and reports on state strategies for school leadership, including Wallace's new report outlining the impact of effective principal pipelines on student achievement. You can find these resources at wallacefoundation.org or through a direct link on our NGA Education webpage. With that, let's dive into the conversation with Courtney. We're so glad to have you on the line, Courtney. If you could talk to us a little bit about your background, just as a, as a way to start in your work. You bet. Um, and thanks, Seth, to uh, you and your team and NGA for, for having me today. Um, so, so I'm a, a, a principal technical assistant consultant. That's my specific title. Um, at the American Institutes for Research, AIR it's called. Um, and then for those of your audience members who aren't familiar with AIR, it's a, it's a large nonprofit organization that does domestic and international work actually in, in various um, areas, including just about um, every educational issue under the sun. And I've worked there for about, for about 10 years, um, but not consecutively. I was actually part of the the NGA Center for Best Practices team from 2012 to 2015. <clears throat> but across all of my years doing education work, I've mostly supported states um, with their teacher and school leader effectiveness issues. And then at AIR now, I'm, I'm currently the, um, the co-deputy director for the, the Center on Great Teachers and Leaders. And this is a national content center uh, that provides TA support to regional comprehensive centers and states on, on all issues related to teachers and leaders. But, but the GTL Center has really been really one of the best opportunities I've had over the years to, to keep up with research around educator effectiveness and really understand what states are grappling with in this space and to stay connected to partners in the field who are who are pushing out good tools and resources and services that's sort of a lot of our um, our mission at, at gtl is to kind of um, try to take stock of what's going on around the country and, and make high quality tools and resources available to those who need it um, for implementing this work thanks courtney and always good to have a, an nga alum on the on the line and, and to engage in a conversation. And for our listeners, uh, we will not only include uh, links to resources that we talk about today, specific resources, but we'll also have a link attached to the podcast 
uh, with a link to the uh, Great Teachers and Leaders Center, which has lots of great information, not just on principles that we'll discuss today, but also on teacher development and support as, as well. So Courtney, I want to move a little bit into the research base of why principles are so critical to student, teacher, and school success. How have you seen the principal role evolve over time, and why should governors care about or, or focus on principal and school leader development and support? A few thoughts. There's plenty of research, I think, um, strong and rigorous research, really, that identifies the impact that principals can have. I'm sure you all can remember like 15 years ago when every article and presentation about teacher quality started with the phrase, teachers are the single most important in-school factor to student learning. And I think, you know, more recently, we've had that, that same language for principals. You know, there's a lot of principals are the second most important in-school factor for student learning. And that's true. That, that's right and true. And research supports that. <clears throat> but I think one of the important storylines that sometimes gets lost or maybe de-emphasized a little bit when we talk about the research of um, good effective principles is, is really on the, the recruitment and retention of good impactful teachers, right? So it, it's their impact on the talent in the classroom that, that really I think is, is an important part of the story. Teachers cite administration as one of the top or, or perhaps the top reason why they come to or stay at a school. And that really matters. And effective principals um, who, who operate as good, what we call instructional leaders, are key at cultivating um, good practice in classrooms. And this is really true, I think particularly true for low performing schools or for schools in high needs areas. So it's really vital, I think, to, to take away from your one part of your question, Seth, that principals are essential um, in driving school improvement. But I, I think I'm sort of reflecting on this question. I think it seems to me that a pivotal point that we're at right now is that we've been doing a really pretty good job over the past few years establishing what the effective practices are for principals, right? So what do good principals do? What are they doing in, in schools every day to impact teaching and learning? And, and I think the research is sussing that out or has been sussing that out. They set agendas and visions for their school. And they coach staff and they operate on a daily basis as instructional leaders. And they effectively manage the talent in their schools. But those practices take time and cognitive load, right? They're hard things to do. To your point about, you know, how has the role evolved over time? Most principals are still pretty bogged down with, with tasks, you know, the administrative tasks of their role that they've really been concentrating on, and rightly so for, for most of um, the principalship. Uh, and that is like discipline and budgets and compliance tasks and managing relationships. And I think to some extent, those things are always going to be part of the job. And, and like I said, they, they have been the main part of principal's jobs for so long. But, you know, we can't add a bunch of these sort of new, this new understanding about what makes an effective, the practices that make an effective principal sort of on top of the sort of administrative things that I just described without giving principals support and 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 helping them figure out how to manage it all in terms of, of time and prioritizing and effective ways of, of implementing these things so it just it just seems like you know to sort of wrap it up you know why why might governors care about this work or why might anybody care about this work is if we could maximize if we could if we could make investments and and, and policy 
points that maximize principals' time and ability to focus on the practices that we know research is telling us are effective, we could better maximize their potential to influence teaching and learning in the ways that we know is possible. Um, but that can't happen, right, unless those unless we make these investments and, and policies and programs at scale and in sustainable ways. Paul Manna had, had said, we had a couple podcasts ago, uh, Dr. Manon, and he was saying, so much is talked about with that evolving role from the building manager to now the instructional leader, but that it's best to not really move to this just the instructional leader. They still have the building management part. So it's the, it's the both and, um, and, and really being this, um, as you said, a force multiplier of um, effective teaching and, and building that, that professional culture within, within the school as one piece, um, but also still having that building management uh, foundation. So how do you, how do you have the, the, the balance those, those things together uh, within the school, the school day? So let's move a little bit to some of the work you've been doing um, at ARR and, and otherwise throughout your career. What's been your recent work on principals and school leaders and what have you seen as the implications for governors and state policymakers of that work? Sure. Yeah. Um, AIR more more broadly has really been doing a lot of uh, good work focused on school leadership. Um, many of you listening to this podcast and, and you, Seth, probably know my colleague Matt Clifford, um, who has been engaged in a lot of that work. We have a variety of studies around the design and impact of principal PD um, and how to better prepare school leaders and support them into the field. The other piece I'll add to respond to your question and it's a little, um, it's a little variation. I think what, what what folks would expect the answer to this question would be, but it's really been the bulk of my work the past couple of years. Um, I've been doing a lot of improvement science work, a lot of work around continuous improvement, um, and that touches on a lot of of aspects of of school and district improvement. But a component of it um, related to the topic of this this podcast is is really helping to think through the ways that we can help build the capacity of school and district administrators to sort of create and model and sustain these cultures of continuous improvement in their schools. And I think a lot of this work has just been getting more specific and nuanced and clear around how we should be designing and implementing high quality support and development opportunities for principals. And we should just continue to draw on these findings. So we're trying to use a lot of that in this continuous improvement work in supporting um, school leaders around how you think about reflecting on data every day, right? To support your um, your teachers in the classroom. Um, how you how you think about equity and in a continuous improvement way and, and how do you sort of lead with an equity lens. So we're sort of using that avenue of continuous improvement and that 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 sort of mode of work to, to um, tackle some of these sort of persistent problems of practice or issues in the field. Thanks, Courtney. And uh, you mentioned the improvement science and for our listeners as a way of bridging continuous learning. Um, Dr. Steve Tozer in, in one of the earlier podcasts also talked about, he's been doing a lot of work with uh, Tony Brike and the folks at uh, the Carnegie Foundation on um, improvement science and, and how to tie that to the principal development work in in Illinois and across the, the country. So be on the lookout for a question on improvement science if you're listening to that podcast as well with Dr. Steve Tozer. Uh, what were the primary findings in uh, the 2017 report where you outlined strategies for principal 
uh, professional development? What levers did you identify in that report that governors and state policymakers can use to develop and support principals and school leaders in their state? So yes, let me share some thoughts about that that piece that I wrote in 2017. I wanted to write the paper because I saw a convergence, if you will, between three influences that um, seemed to me at the time to be creating a unique opportunity in the field for school leadership. So there was there was ESSA, of course, um, in 2015, and, and at this time, states were really working on their um, developing their their state plans. There were the PSEL standards, the new school leadership standards that had been recently released. And then there was, of course, this culminating research around the importance of school leaders. So I, I sort of thought there's this significant research and policy and standards sort of opening that, that were kind of coming together at the same time. And I thought maybe um, I might put these thoughts on paper and, and compel districts and states to, to use this unique opportunity to move forward a little more specifically on supporting um, principals. And I, and I decided to focus it on um, professional development specifically because in the lead up and, and sort of the wake of the PSEL standards and ESSA, um, I, I heard a lot of talk about school leaders, but it was mostly focused on the preparation of school leaders, principal preparation, and the evaluation of principals. And just a lot less, it seemed to me at the time, about how we were going to figure out how to support, you know, the nearly 100,000 currently sitting school principals um, that were, you know, working across the country. And then in addition to that, you know, um, the school, I think SLN, I think it's School Leaders Network, had published just a couple years before that, this pretty interesting report about um, principal churn and the cost of it, and that principals were leaving. You know, it was commonly known that principals, especially in high needs areas, were leaving for three years of, of their tenure was up, and and that we know that they don't really hit their stride and start having a positive impact on teaching and learning until they hit sort of the five to seven year mark. So, so all of these things were sort of coming together and, and that sort of was the, the background to the impetus for the for the paper. So I wanted to make the case that because of that, you know, strong principals really need these opportunities throughout their careers, early on, midway through their career, even as they become veterans, to be trained and developed and supported in consistent ways, right? That if, that reflect um, that, that are stand it's a standards-based approach to the work. So I dug in and, 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 and started to try to understand what was going on with principal professional development and really learned that it's, um, you know, you asked what were the main findings. Um, and I think a lot of this isn't, isn't probably new for many of you. Um, school leadership had been traditionally really under-resourced. One of the statistics in the paper is around the um, amount of Title II spending that was um, in place in districts for school leaders, and it was uh, you know, around 30% at the time, which is is definitely not enough um, based on what we know the research is telling us the importance of these folks are. And that in addition to that, there just, there wasn't a lot of tracking going on about how these funds were even being used to support principal professional development. Um, so in addition to principal PD, and this is, I, I share this in the paper as well, being pretty under-resourced, um, I didn't, I didn't actually know a lot of the, the research behind principal professional development when I started the paper. So when I dug into that, it became sort of clear that w what principals were experiencing for PD, that the content was often not quite right, 
and the delivery mechanisms were not quite right. So for example, principals were often you know, participating in PD that was designed for teachers or um, the PD would focus on the what of district reform, but not really the how around leading um, change or leading in, in turnaround efforts. So it just seemed, you know, there was a, still a lot to, in terms of findings, there's still a lot to learn about how to better design and implement PD for principals. Um, I mean, there's there's been some studies, and I cite those in the report. Um, Brand certainly has a good paper out from 2016 to, to look at. LPI released a paper in 2017 that's really fabulous that kind of outlines um, best practices for supporting principal learning. But I think despite those good efforts, there's still, like I said, more to uncover about how to best design and implement and support. So I, I wrap, I'll just wrap up and say, when you also ask, what are the levers that I sort of try to identify in the paper that state leaders can, can pay attention to? And then there are four, really, I think. Um, and they're around defining and communicating what it means to be an effective school leader. I think that's sort of an essential fundamental that, that states who do this work well, um, they get at that pretty well. Uh, prioritize and fund principal PD in strategic ways. Um, per the, the, the information I just shared about um, the content delivery mechanisms, I think another lever, lever is refocusing the content and the format of PD to align it with what we know works. And then last, just another lever I think is aligning principal PD with just the overall talent development system for school leaders, really embedding some coherence in the system so that, um, you know, it's standards-based and, and school leaders sort of experience similar training and development opportunities that, that have the same message and focus from early in the pipeline to later in the pipeline. Thanks, Courtney. And one of the recommendations that you made in the, the paper, and this is under the prioritize and fund, is leveraging the opportunities, as you mentioned, in the new law or recent law, um, the update to the Every Student Succeeds at the Elementary and Secondary Education Act to support principal uh, professional learning and development. So how have you seen, where do you see the opportunities entitled to and otherwise uh, as part of the Every Student Succeeds Act to develop and support principals and school leaders and how have uh, you seen states uh, doing so in this, in this early run? Yeah, it's interesting. I think when ESSA passed, there was a lot of, of talk and, and rhetoric about flexibility for states, and, and, and I think some of that still remains to be seen. But in all of the areas that ESSA may have provided more flexibility and opportunity, school leadership is really one of the most evident, in my opinion. It was really pretty clear that research and advocacy work focused on school leadership was, was, had, had influenced policy in, in interesting ways in ESSA. Um, and I won't go into detail on this, but the Title Fund opportunities to support school leadership, Title II is certainly one of them, but there are opportunities in Title I and in Title IV. So um, I think states are tapping resources uh, in, in Title Funds to, to support school leadership in multiple ways, primarily through Title II, as you said, Seth, and the 3% um, the set aside that Title II allows to focus on um, strategies to sort of build a robust pipeline of effective school leaders and grow the capacity of sitting principals. But I mean, we really saw in, in when ESSA plans were, we did an analysis, and we weren't the only ones who did an analysis of ESSA plans when they were submitted. And we can make the case that all every state included school leadership in some format in their 
and their ESSA plans. Um, and I think somewhere along like 24 or 25 of them said that they were going to use the 3% set aside. So that's, that's pretty significant if you think about the focus on school leadership across the country just five years ago um, relative to that. That's pretty significant. Um, now, how that, that looks now, I think, you know, this sort of varies. And that's always, that's always the case. In, in fact, as, as an aside, I'll just say maybe this is a bit of a call to action for organizations like AIR and, and, and GASF. We certainly have lots of analyses of what was put in states' ESSA plans, but you know, more recently over the past two or three years, good, again, LPI had, has done a good piece on this, but um, good stories and case summaries and case studies that outline sort of more in the weeds implementation of some of these programs is, is really, would really be helpful in the field. But I can share a few examples of some of the things that we've, we've seen over the past few years. Many states, like I said, focused on school leadership and their ESSA plans and particularly wrote about programs and policies they were going to put in place to support and develop school principals in, in high needs areas like in CSI and TSI schools. North Dakota, Maryland, Louisiana, for example, they all included information in their plan about how to do this. And, and, and the, the avenue that those states are taking is um, is leadership academies, which has been a, a growing area of work um, across the country to support um, aspiring and, and sitting principals. North Dakota's and Louisiana's academies are specifically focused on training and supporting leaders for rural areas to sort of improve the, the shortage issues and the recruitment and retention in those high needs contexts. And another state to, to talk about, and I'm, I'm always talking about this state, the good work that Paul Katnick and his team at the Missouri Department of Ed are doing around school leadership is really something to pay attention to in terms of, um, you know, how states are investing in school leadership. And, and it's, it's kind of a story in Missouri of really staying the course and, and paying attention to research and starting from square one. They put together a set of competencies, research-based competencies that drive their human capital management system around school leaders. Um, and the competencies focus on aspiring, emerging, developing, and transformational leaders. And they also have a really concentrated approach to um, developing and supporting new principles, like a two-year engagement of coaching and learning labs and, and networked approaches for peer learning. Really nice concentrated approach in Missouri to take a look at. But I wanted to mention there's been a lot of investment in states both in their ESSA plans and just in their overall state strategic plans around in investing in principal supervisors as a strategy for supporting principals, right? So Pennsylvania is a great example here. They, they launched a superintendent's academy in 2016, and it's a two-year uh, PD effort that engages superintendents and other um, chiefs and school administrator roles. Um, through through sort of action learning projects and a peer network. These, these peer networks um, in any state, not just Pennsylvania, are really a nice approach for school leaders um, and, and principal supervisors to, to grow and accelerate their learning. Yeah, that's great. And I think it really ties into your point about um, the call to action of, of using podcasts and otherwise um, NGA, AIR, to share some of the stories of where this work is is being done, and as you talked about, Missouri and Pennsylvania, if we can uh, get some of those stories out there and, and the good models, um, not only from experts from like yourself, but uh, the folks that are doing the work on, on the ground, um, we'll, we'll be able to provide some, 
some good exemplars for uh, states and districts to be able to pick pick up across the country. So as a last question, um, just wanted to ask you, uh, where do you see the work and, and the field headed next? What are you most excited about? Yeah, I would say that um, th there are so many, um, and this is something I certainly learned when I was at NGA, but is, is true for all of our organizations. There are new governors and chiefs and board members and, and other administrators who are constantly coming into and into new roles. And, and I think, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a, where do I see the field headed next? But I would say a, a consistent thing that we all have to keep at the forefront and, and concentrate on is to give those folks the, the resources and information that they need, the research, the best practices, the examples, to sort of stay on this topic that we're talking about, Seth, with the, the, the stories and the, and the sharing of information. It, that's really the only way for them to um, make sense of it all and stay engaged in this work. So I really see that as a something to do next, as a continued call to action for us to find interesting ways to get the right information in, in folks' hands so they can make good decisions. Thanks, Courtney, for the great conversation and insights. Listeners, please note that all reports and resources discussed during the podcast will also be attached to the recording. Please look out for our next podcast with Jason Dougal, of the National Center of Education and the Economy and National Institute for School Leadership. And please visit the NGA Education webpage for this and future podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening and have a great day.